the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, where is it that we find hope at Christmas? And then we're excited to be joined by George Sinclair to talk about his article about reading the Christmas story to your children. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Christmas Eve, everybody. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, Christmas Eve, like you're just going. You wake up, you're like, I'm ready to go. Oh, I love Christmas Eve. It's such like, you you know, tomorrow you're waking up and the kids are waking up and we're opening presents. Like Christmas is actually here. Aubrey Sampson, how excited are you right now? I mean, I feel like a kid in a candy store. Or you know what? I feel like a kid at Christmas. There That's how excited go. I am. There yep, you go. Yep. It, and this is this is one of my favorite evenings of the year because we usually grab some Mexican food for dinner and watch a movie at home. And it, there's just, you know, it's hard to go to sleep tonight. Like, it's just, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. How about you? How are you feeling? I feel good. You and I do something differently. Your church does a uh, Christmas Eve Yeah, Eve so ours service. was Yours last night. Done. Yep. Uh, I've still got one to go tonight, which okay, I'm so you super work. excited. Yeah, uh, but it's you know it's Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's like, wonderful. It's, they're, they're the best services fun. of the it's year. Fun. Yeah, uh, but then it's always we always go out to dinner then with my brother in law, sister in law, and nephew and our kid. Yeah, it's kind of become a little bit of a tradition. So we're going out after church tonight, and then you get home, and it's like, all right, my my youngest daughter has this thing. She said it. Uh, she joking, it's become a joke between her and I, because it was what she would say when we're waiting for a Christmas break to start. And she would be like, three more, we should be going to bed. She'd be like, three more sleeps until Christmas break. <laughs> That's cute. And I love to- that. Tonight is the one more sleep <gasps> for Christmas, right? And so. Yes. The worst part about it is that it's over. What? It goes so fast and then it's just done. That's oh, what I, I want. What is I your want, problem? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, what I mean is I just want the hours to last as long as possible today and tomorrow. Okay. Okay. I can understand that. Now, what people should know, and we'll talk about this a lot today, uh, this is also our last live show until the new year. So uh, next week, there's going to be lots of best of materials. Our so best materials coming for you. So we're not leaving you hanging. Right. So there, there will still be a show, but th- today is our last uh, live show before uh, January 3rd or whatever that Monday is. So you and I get a little bit of a break. So that's also fun, Aubrey, looking ahead to time with our kids, uh, time with our families, and just excited for that. And so yep. all that to say, we're going to be full of energy. Today. Christmas energy, last show of the year energy. Uh, you and I, <laughs> we just might sound caffeinated today. Uh, we <laughs> it's going to get for- wild. But Aubrey, this is going to have a very Christmassy feel to the show today. Absolutely. Right? We, we want to focus people on Christmas. And with that in mind, we found this great article. It was written a couple of years ago by Matt Chandler, one of my favorite pastors to listen to. Uh, he talks about looking forward to a better uh, Christmas. And he talks about how uh, years ago at the age of 34, and many people probably remember this because he was a pretty well-known preacher at the time in 2009. 
uh, he had a seizure and on, on Thanksgiving Day and was told that he was only going to have weeks to live, a couple mm. years to live. And I remember when this came out, all, everyone was like, are you Matt Chandler? Like, this is unbelievable. Uh, and he talks about how Christmas took on a different meaning after that. He has been kind of miraculously healed uh, through medicine and doctors and just God's hand. And yes. he is perfectly healthy now. Uh, but that wasn't the case. And he talks about how one of his first outings after his surgery was a Christmas Eve service and how it took on a bit of a different feel. Oh, Aubrey, you, wow. you wrote a book about loss and lament yes. and this. How does that how does the reality of the struggle of life, of the loss of life? This is we're in the middle of a pandemic still. People have lost loved ones. You and your husband have lost uh, somebody very close to you mm -hmm. only within the last month or two. Mm -hmm. How does that kind of color? Uh, the Christmas celebration in maybe negative, but also surprisingly in positive ways. Yeah. The name of the book you're talking about is the louder song listening for hope in the midst of lament. And it, it, you know, this is one of those really shocking things about the Christian faith, but actually one of, I think the most compelling and beautiful things about the Christian faith is that somehow paradoxically, because we have a God who suffered on the cross, a God who aligns himself with suffering people in our suffering, we somehow experience his intimacy more than without suffering. Mm. And, um, you know, the, the crazy thing about that is it's not that we wish suffering on anyone. It's not that God even brings suffering. Suffering is because of the brokenness and the sin in this world and because of the evil one at work in this world. At the same time, God is bigger than suffering. And so he transforms our suffering to to make us more like him, to draw us into deeper intimacy with him and, and to give us a bigger faith than we ever had on the flip, the other side of suffering. Yeah. And I do think what suffering does is gives you, um, cause there's, I mean, suffering is awful and unspeakable. However, again, because of the Lord, there are gifts in suffering, treasures in darkness scripture talks about. And, you know, one of those is, um, compassion for other people who are hurting Another is, I think, a sense of just grace and patience. And then that last one is that perspective that mm. the fact that Jesus came to earth and the fact that one day Jesus is returning again is the best news yeah. ever because we need an end to suffering. And we are promised an end to suffering through Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. Uh, Chandler writes here, he says, since that Christmas spent when a doctor told me you only have a couple years to live, uh, with that rolling around in my mind, I've loved Christmas all the more. Christmas has grown even better for me because I've come to appreciate the Christmas. That Christmas is when God got involved, gave mm. me hope, and showed Himself worthy of my trust. I love Christmas all year round. And then this is an homage to you, Aubrey. And he writes, and yes, I love getting the decorations up way before Christmas starts. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt Chandler. It's official. Yeah. What, maybe you already did such a beautiful job with it, but let's keep talking to the people who aren't feeling festive out there. Yeah. They, you know, it's Christmas Eve and they're like, all I've had is heartbreak in my life. Yep. All I've got is struggle. Yep. I understand this is supposed to be a joyous time of the year. What, what makes Christmas even good news for somebody in that situation? Right now? Yeah, I mean, I think Christmas is especially good news for someone in that situation. I mean, if we think about, there's a few things to think about. One, creation itself. Like right now, those of us who are in Chicago, we see that the earth itself is getting darker and colder, mm -hmm. right? Like mm -hmm. at 4 p.m., it is almost pitch black out Correct. there. And so we do things like we light Christmas candles or we turn on our Christmas lights or we, you know, we somehow light up the darkness. And I don't, I, I think we don't realize that that 
in and of itself is not just a passive thing. That is actually a a really strong act of defiant hope. Because what we're saying is in the darkness, in the coldness, in the season when it just feels like there is absolutely no joy, there is only gloom, there is only um, distress, we are saying in the face of that, we're choosing hope anyway. Mm -hmm. And to make a choice towards hope is actually one of the bravest things that you can do in the middle of a a season of hardship. And even if it's a small thing like lighting a candle, I know it can sound a little bit over the top, but I actually mean this. You're just saying, okay, I am choosing to believe that a better day is coming. And I may not experience this Christmas. I may not even experience it in 2022, but because a son has been born to us, we can trust that one day hope will be the only experience of our lives. And so we're just hanging on. We're clinging to that day. And the promise of scripture is that even as we suffer, even as we wait, I mean, the Israelites waited like years and years and generations and generations before Jesus came. And you know, that had to be so discouraging for them, but hope will arrive. Hope will arrive. Hope will arrive. Hope will arrive. And so we wait in the middle of our, in the middle of our pain, trusting that a new day is coming because of Jesus. That's a good, that's a really good word right there. Uh, Matt Chandler ends his article this way. Christmas finishes quickly each year. Something you were just lamenting. Oh, it's so sad. What we look forward to soon lies behind us, but you can look forward to a day that will never end and a future that will never disappoint. The decorations will get packed away, but this year hope and joy need not. You can look at the God who came and lay in that manger and you can look forward to the day when he comes again and you can have an even better Christmas. That's what we're trying to do today. We're trying to focus us on the good news of Christmas, even as we're finishing up the wrapping and getting ready for family time, I'm sure. And with that in mind, speaking of family time, we're going to talk about reading the Christmas story to your children. How do we do it? Why is it so important? I'm going to talk to a pastor from Canada about that. His name is George Sinclair. We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm, and uh, it's almost Christmas. We're, we're so excited for Christmas, uh, and, and we're all going to wake up on Christmas morning ready to open up the gifts. And we thought, Aubrey, it would be important to talk about what are some things that are that we could be doing with our kids right now? What are some important aspects of the Christmas holiday? Uh, with that in mind, we are excited to be joined by a pastor from Canada. His name is George Sinclair. George, how are you doing today? I am doing very good. How are you doing? We're doing really well. We're doing really well. George, you wrote an article at the Gospel Coalition entitled Reading the Christmas Story to Children and why it's important for us to read the Christmas story uh, to our kids. And, and so I'd love to start there. Uh, your kids, you were telling us off air, are out of the house. You know, you said you had nine kids, which is wonderful. Uh, what Would you always read the, the Christmas story? And why is it important that we read the Christmas story this time of year? Well, if United States is all like Canada, and I suspect it is, uh, there's sort of two Christmases. There's uh, what I would call cultural Christmas, or I guess you could call it American or Canadian Christmas, uh, which, you know, obviously has some roots in um, ancient Christmas or biblical Christmas, but it 
it's all this worldly. Uh, it's all about gifts and snow and being home with family and all of that type of stuff. And uh, the biblical Christmas is very different. And uh, it's important for the kids to understand the difference between biblical Christmas and, um, in a sense, cultural Christmas. And part of that as well, actually, isn't it? I mean, not only does the talking about biblical Christmas uh, introduce them to Jesus in a way which is really important, uh, but it also guards their heart uh, in terms of not having some of the disappointments uh, and letdowns that come from cultural Christmas. And George, can you talk about what some of those letdowns or disappointments might be? Because I think that's a very important point for all of us to hear. Yeah, well, if you if you look at if you listen to the songs "I'll Be Home for Christmas," uh, if you look at uh, some of the Christmas movies that come out, they create very high expectations. Uh, they create very high expectations that you'll have a great time with your family, uh, that you'll have a time of romance, that uh, there'll be a time of satisfaction or peace, that you'll get good gifts. Now, as you know, I know. Uh, first of all, <laughs> lots of people have their second, third marriage, uh, they're divorced, they're widowed. Uh, even families that are intact, there's often problems in terms of people not even talking to each other. And so on one level, when the world it sort of gives you this idea that there's this really important holiday and it's important to be with other people and with your family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, it creates expectations. But obviously some people have them met in a particular year Often, it's not. There's a bit of a letdown from it. Uh, whereas the, the biblical Christmas story isn't connected to whether or not you're single or married, rich or poor, healthy or unhealthy. It's about God uh, doing something uh, remarkable that's a miracle, uh, the incarnation, that Jesus comes to be our Savior, uh, that he comes in a sense to a, an unwed mother uh, of scorn. And there's you know, profound comfort there in that particular story. Um, and it's really important for the kids to understand that it's a different story than the cultural story. And I think we have to, you know, be grinches and grumps about what every, all of their friends and all are doing, but that they really need to be able to understand that, um, you know, it's only in Jesus that we get the, the consolation that we need, that uh, our hearts long for. Oh, it's beautiful, George. Uh, all right, so take us back to when you had nine kids in the home. They're all little uh, or varying ages. Uh, what would you do when you read the story? Would you sit them all around you? What would you say to them? Give some encouragement to people so they know how to actually do this if they've never done it before. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it's too long now, and my, my wife would be better at remembering. Some, but there's lots of good stories, uh, books out there, you know, good ones and all that tell you the Christmas story. And, um, you know, you sit down on a couch or a comfortable chair uh, with the ones that are still young enough that they want to do it. But you can start with kids when they're very, very, very young reading stories. Even young children like looking at it. And they pick up probably far more than we know. And uh, as I said in the article, Louise and I both love to read. Uh, so we, we, we read a lot. And we read lots of different stories to our kids. We didn't just read Chris, Christian stories. And so what I realized after a little while is I, I realized I, I might be confusing to a kid if you read The Cat in the Hat or The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and then you read the Christmas story, and you read them as if they're all just the same. <laughs> and, and so I, I wanted to say a few things to the kids, uh, both before and after the story, to make sure they understand that there's, when I read this story now, I'm reading something which is qualitatively different than reading the Grinch Who Stole Christmas or, you know, 
story about Santa Claus or something like that. So I'd, I'd say a variety of things to the children, just very simply, uh, you know, to try to help them to understand that there's a, a difference between them. I say that this is a story from the Bible, that it's a true story from the Bible, that it's a story about God, and it's a story about God becoming a human being, and how he became a human being to save, you know, boys and girls, men and women. And, uh, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit. I'd usually say that before and after the story. I would do that actually with other stories as well, because we had story books. We were talking about Samson or Moses, uh, you know, a range of little, you know, picture books. <laughs> so I'd, I'd like to try to communicate to the kids that. And, uh, and I'd also try to communicate to them that my, it was my hope that Jesus is my savior, and it's my hope that, you know, he will be their savior as well. With that in mind, I I do feel like right now there are a lot of parents that kind of have this narrative, you know, I don't I don't want to push my faith down the mouth of my child or I want them to make the decision for themselves. And I wonder if just as kind of a final word, you might encourage Christian parents out there. How important is it that we take up the mantle of discipleship for our kids? It is really, really important under God. Uh, you know, first of all, when parents say things like that to me, I said, well, one moment. Yeah, you're not giving your kids an option as to whether they're going to respect you. You're not giving them an option as to whether they're going to learn manners, learn math, learn how to read. Like, it's not as if you just let your kid go in the wild and they're going to do whatever they want. Like, you have all sorts of expectations. And if Jesus is your Savior, it's important for you to communicate that to them. Um, but it's not a matter of pushing the faith down. It's a matter of sharing, of bearing witness. And no matter how perfect your little child looks at, you know, one or two or three and innocent, the fact is that we are Savior. Um, and Jesus is the only Savior. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the point those seeds at a very early age, uh, when you show that he's your Savior, you do it in the context of a cuddle uh, as you read the story of that intimacy. Uh, that this is true, that it matters to you. Um, those are, I mean, to remember, it's just a natural thing to do. It's the world that uh, tries to convince us, I guess, <laughs> an old-fashioned, the world, the flesh, and the devil tells you to be silent about Jesus, but Jesus wants us to be uh, public about him in a, in a way uh, which is really good for our kids. Absolutely. Again, George Sinclair is the rector of Church of the Messiah in the heart of urban Ottawa up there in Canada. Really thankful talking to him about his Gospel Coalition article, reading the Christmas story to children. George, it's great to meet you. Please have a wonderful Christmas. You too. God bless. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, I'm Brian Fromm. Happy Christmas Eve to everybody out there. And Aubrey, uh, when we think about the purpose of Christmas, the message of Christmas, the good news of Christmas, uh, it is it is God entering into the world. It is God bringing peace and hope. It is also this idea of redemption, right? Like uh, we as sinners now have the opportunity to be redeemed, right? We have the opportunity for forgiveness. And yeah. it, it, 
it's this idea of is is there anyone that's beyond this redemption? Is there anybody that's beyond this forgiveness? Is there anybody that's mm-hmm. beyond the reach of Jesus and that transformation? And I want people to think about that as we listen to this next audio clip because uh, from CBS Sunday Morning, their show the other day, they did um, a segment about uh, incarcerated men and women, about incarcer- uh, prisoners uh, making art and doing things. And it, it begs the question, do we believe that redemption is for everybody? Do we believe that everybody can be reached? Let's listen to this story. Along Route 1 in Thomaston, Maine, is a store filled with crafts, all made in Maine state prisons. They do about $1.6 million worth of work out of this facility. That um, much? They do. Randall Liberty is commissioner of Maine's Department of Corrections. For people who might think, lock the door and throw away the key, why are they getting an opportunity to get training, to be educated? What would you say to them? Whatever side of the political spectrum you may be on, there's a win here for everyone. Mm -hmm. If you spend $46,000 a year to house someone in a correctional facility and they come back because they receive no programming to address the core um, reasons why they arrived here, um, it's, uh, it's stupid money. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about people that are in prison? I think that um, they're throwaways. We have to ask ourselves, um, you know, do we believe in redemption? And I think uh, that we all believe in redemption when it, when it applies to us. When it applies to, uh, applies to other people, um, we're reluctant to do that. For Charlie Jones, the existential questions are deep and persistent. I've been here for murder. I got 75 years. I've been in prison longer than I was alive when I committed my crime. If I say to myself, I want to fulfill the purpose of what the people who put me here intended for this to be, what am I supposed to be doing? When, if anything, would that purpose be fulfilled? And for the people that you hurt, what has to be done for them, for those people to say, okay, I now see that that wasn't a a monster, that that was a stupid kid. So, Aubrey, it reminds us that even in prison, someone who's committed murder and has 75 years behind bars has a purpose and can be redeemed. What what are your thoughts about this as you heard this story? I think this is a really strong story um, and really uh, just a good word for all of us that I mean, the reality is, of course, in Jesus Christ, no one is beyond redemption. No one is beyond restoration. What I, what I actually love about this, and I, I hope this comes across okay, because I recognize this as someone who is behind bars, but real restoration and real redemption, it does take time and it does take work. And that's what I hear in the heart of, of this um, interview from CBS Sunday Morning, like that this guy, even though he's convicted for murder in prison for 75 years, is doing the work, doing the time to do what it takes to experience redemption and to bring redemption to those he's heard. Mm. And that to me is a lesson for all of us. And there's a few different ways that we could take the story, but I'll just say one thing. Going to the conversation that we sometimes have about like, should pastors who have failed morally or criminally Mm -hmm, be mm -hmm. restored to the pulpit? I, I actually think there's a connection here because we tend to think restoration or redemption does mean, yep, Three weeks later, they're back preaching from the pulpit. Right. But again, what we see here from this beautiful story is no, like true. Of course, in Jesus, there is redemption, period. But true 
redemption, true restoration, true wholeness takes time and takes work. And so I, I appreciate this example of um, these guys who are incarcerated creating art, these guys who are incarcerated trying to change. Like, I think there is a wonderful example here of what it truly means to be an example of redemption. Yeah. And sometimes when we think about men and women who are in prison, you're like, well, they're unreachable, right? Mm-hmm. They have gone too far. But the whole um, good news of the gospel is that none of us have gone too far. Amen. There's an equal plane. There's, there's, yes. a, there's a level playing field for all yes. of sin and fall short of the God yes. of the glory of God for the wages of sin is death for all people. And uh, what, what we, when we become somewhat pharisaical about it, right? I, it reminds me of the Old Testament story of Jonah, where Jonah, why didn't Jonah want to go to Nineveh? Because he didn't believe they deserved it. Yeah. They didn't, he believed deeply that they didn't deserve what God was about to do for them, right? Yep. And so he kind of throws a temper tantrum. <laughs> it's yep. like, I'm not uh, going to be a part of this. Yeah. Uh, and and we, we read that story like, Jonah, how could you do that? It's God's grace in this. I do that all the time. Absolutely. God, I deserve your grace, but that person doesn't. That person, <laughs> I'm better than that person. <laughs> so true. And we struggle with that. And what Christmas reminds us of, what Easter reminds us of, is that all of sin didn't fall short of the glory of God. And none of us are worthy, uh, quote unquote, of uh, of this redemption. And then when it's put in front of us kind of in stark terms, okay, this is a murderer mm-hmm. uh, who deserves punishment. He got mm-hmm. 75 years. He, this, the point of the story wasn't that he was wrongly convicted, right? right? He right. did this uh, now finding this kind of second chance of life. But here let's, I think some people are bothered by that, don't you? Like, well, he killed someone. That person didn't get a second chance at life. But why should this guy get redemption? But that, again, highlights the problem that a lot, the arrogance a lot of us have, because none of us deserve that redemption. Uh, and, and that's the good news of the gospel. Am I right? Yeah, you're exactly right. In fact, going back to the story of Jonah, one of my favorite passages of Scripture is when it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Mm. So after Jonah has rejected God, run away, said, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to this people. The Lord kept pursuing him and even gave Jonah another chance at redemption. And so I think that's a word for all of us in this. Like, like you said, none of us are beyond redemption. And even those of us who think we're better than people who we don't think deserve redemption. Mm-hmm. Actually, the Lord is just as gracious to us, even though we're judgmental and, and running away like Jonah did, right? Yeah. And so that is the good news of the gospel, that the cross, all of us are equal, that all of us are invited. All of us can experience redemption, restoration that is ours in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we're beyond... Um, uh, recourse or like, yes. um, if we have failed, if we have sinned, if we have broken the law, there is certainly, um, uh, pain that follows yeah. and we yeah. experience that that's even part of God's grace, but we are accepted through Jesus Christ and loved and welcomed by God period. Yeah. Yeah. The point of this story is not these guys should be let out of prison. Yeah. Uh, there are consequences to our actions, but the point of the story is, uh, even the people who have even killed somebody are not beyond redemption, yep. are not beyond uh, transformation. I would say parenthetically, this kind of drives why I'm against the death penalty, but that's a conversation mm. for another day. Uh, and so I will end it this way. If you're out there right now and you think to yourself this Christmas time, God could never love me. Uh, if you're thinking to yourself, God could never forgive me. I'm undeserving of grace. 
you are undeserving of grace. That's what makes yeah. it grace. Yeah. Uh, if that's where you're at the, today, I almost said this morning, that's what us pastors say, right? If you're at, that's where you're at this morning. <laughs> uh, if that's where you're at, let me just encourage you uh, that the good news of Christmas, the good news of Easter is that the wages of sin is death. Like that is what you deserve, but the mm-hmm. free gift of God is eternal life through Amen. Jesus Christ, our Lord, that that's the good news of Christmas. We could see it in these prisoners. We could see it in our lives when we look in the mirror. And hopefully that adds some uh, some context, some good news to your Christmas. Well, Aubrey, we're trying to share the message of Christmas today. Uh, I want to ask you this question when we come back. Aubrey, What what is the message you need to hear Mm. this Christmas. We're going to personalize this a little bit next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian from Merry Christmas, everybody out Merry there. Merry Christmas, everybody. And Aubrey, this is probably a time for us to tell everybody Happy New Year because we're not going to have any more live yeah, shows. that's now true. And the New Year. So Happy New Year's. What is... What does Kevin Sampson and Aubrey Sampson do at New Year's? Are you guys out and about? Are you at least staying awake till midnight? Or is it like, nope, I'm going to bed at 10. Man, what is we New Year's? Are, we are so old and boring. We like we hang out with our kids. We usually try to like play some really fun game or like mm-hmm. bake something really expansive and ridiculous with our kids. We we try to stay up as late as we can, but I'm telling you, by 10 o'clock, we're all like, do we have to stay up till midnight? Do we have to stay? I'm like, we will at least stay up until 11, like at least the ball dropping in New York. Like we have to make it to that. But um, I would say if Kevin had his way, he would be more of the party animal. We go out, we do fun stuff. But I'm, I mean, I, I cannot stay awake. I am so old. So we try. We try our best. We enjoy New Year's as a family, but we are not party animals. How about you guys? <laughs> we try. <laughs> uh, how about us? No, uh, we tend to stay in now. Um, my wife has always been one who has struggled to stay up past uh, Chris, you know, past the New Year's, like the ball dropping or whatever else. I'll never forget the new millennium. Uh, when it became the year 2000, Carrie and I were engaged and we were up at her parents' house and I was, everybody went to bed before midnight. I was like, I'm staying up till midnight. This is I, Y2K year you're talking? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I welcomed, oh. I welcomed in the year 2000 with me and my future wife's dog. How oh. <laughs> <laughs> so even Carrie went to bed? <laughs> yes. Isn't that funny? And so, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, but no, oh, we basically try to stay up to 11 now, but now my kids are getting older too. And so, uh, it is a little different. Well, anyway, we wish everybody a happy new year. But That's back right. to Christmas here, Aubrey. Here's what I would like to ask you. Uh, we've been talking a lot today about the message of Christmas, the mm. good news of Christmas. Uh, if you would, would allow me to do so, I'd love to personalize this right now. What's the message? And I, I put message in air quotes if you can see our notes. But what is the message that Aubrey Sampson needs to hear this Christmas? What is the part of Christmas that you're needing to kind of sit in and hear again this year? Oh, man, Brian, you're going to make me emotional asking this question. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I have been given permission to talk about this. So I think it's okay that I do. But, you know, my I've said on the show before, my very best friend has stage four breast mm-hmm. cancer. And mm-hmm. it is just, it's just hard. Yeah. 
And um, I, we are believing God for good news and a turn of events in, in 2022. And I am not giving up hope and I am not giving up praying for hope. And I don't doubt the goodness of God, but I think this year I need to know that Emmanuel truth that God is with us. Mm. And I, especially for her, want to know that God is with her and with her family because it's, you know, I feel some, I feel some sorrow watching my friend go through this. I feel some sorrow knowing the reality of cancer in this world, especially stage four metastatic cancer. Um, and I can start feeling sorry for myself, but I think more than that, just for her and her three sons and her husband and praying that God is with them. And, and similarly, you know, since Kevin lost his mom mm-hmm. just, you know, a few weeks ago, and this is our first holiday without her. And, uh, you know, I'll just be really vulnerable with our listeners. Like, Death does not bring about family peace. If there's any (laughs) conflict, that conflict rises to the top and we're okay. Like our family's healthy and loves each other. So I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but I'm saying it just is all very, very real this year. And I think more than ever that the, both the incarnation, Jesus knowing our suffering because he became a human and, and Jesus being with us in our suffering. That's the message I need to hear right now that like, Lord, you are here. This is not a surprise to you. You are near. And and I would also say to just that God is a miracle maker. And mm. I keep thinking like, God, I know, ugh, I know you're bigger than cancer. I know you're bigger than death. Mm. So would you just show yourself to be in whatever ways you can, in whatever ways it'll be meaningful for the people who this is impacting, this hurt is impacting, like, just show yourself to be who you are this Christmas. So anyway, that's my maybe more vulnerable than what you wanted to hear, but that's where my heart is right now, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that because I think people need to hear that. Like sometimes as pastors that we could kind of come across as we're kind of above it all or got it all figured out, but we need to hear uh, individually the Christmas message uh, this year. You know, for me, uh, I kind of feel like, uh, I, I don't know if you feel this way about yourself, but as I get older and my kids get older and um, my kids get, you know, closer to being out of my house, oh, yes. they, they also get, they get more and more independent, more and more, um, uh, <laughs> they've got their own mind. Sure. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. Um, I have found myself to be struggling more and more with anxiety. Just like, how do I, how do I trust them how do i trust uh that i don't have that i don't have control anymore as much you know when your kids are three four five years old right. you control you do you everything. control their world yep and yep. back then you say oh, i can't wait till my kids are more independent and then we <laughs> get more independent and you're kind of like i can't i wish they were, I wish more they were little again <laughs> i wish they were more dependent now yeah. uh but i find myself like the message of Christmas that I feel like I need to hear is the coming of the peace, right? It is mm. the, it is that peace that passes mm. um, all understanding. And uh, we talked about that yesterday with Jeremiah Johnston, right? Like this yep. kind of shalom. Yep. And I, I find myself being drawn to that this year. Not, you know, I, I, I'm celebrating the, the presence of God, the hope of God, all of that, but it's this peace that we are offered that I feel like I, I, I kind of need in a very mm. real sense because, mm. you, you know, I've never thought of myself, Aubrey, as a very controlling person. But now yeah. you, you, when things feel out of your control more, you're like, oh, maybe I was a controlling person. <laughs> maybe I, maybe, maybe I, I didn't realize. <laughs> maybe I do feel like that. And just a reminding myself that the Bible's promise of peace, like it comes through uh, not being anxious, but by prayer and petition, presenting my request to God. So this yeah. reminder of prayer, 
this reminder of of that God's peace is available to us. That, yeah. That's kind of where I feel my heart drawn this Christmas. Uh, why don't you take a minute? Um, uh, what is some other things that people might need to hear out there? What's another aspect of the message of Christmas that maybe you're preaching to yourself or that you're praying for other people? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the biggest things that I try to remember about like the Christmas message going way, way back. So let's go all the way back to Isaiah. Isaiah is saying like a son will be born to us, the government will be on his shoulders. I think sometimes we forget because it feels like such a sweet kind of like lovely message. We forget that Isaiah was tasked to speak that to toxic leaders in power, religious leaders in power that were were not leading in a way that was godly. They were really, they were oppressing their people. The Israelite people were in pain and suffering because of it. And so I think there is this really personal aspect to the gift of a son being born to us, but there's also sort of this cause, not even sort of, there is also definitely this cosmic reality of Jesus being born means an end to oppression everywhere mm. and end to evil everywhere. And though, you know, we all see it right now, like every time we hear a another pastor who has fallen or every mm. time we see a political leader who is just corrupt or every time, you know, someone in our life that's supposed to be this person of integrity is actually acting in a way that is not godly. What we can do is continue to look to the son who has been born to us and remember that the the true government, the true kingdom is on his shoulders and he has brought a swift end to evil Amen. on the cross and he is still bringing a swift end to evil. And in the end, he will win. And yes. that's another, like if we step back and have some perspective, I think that's one of the most powerful parts of the Christmas message that we all need to be reminded of this year. Amen. So that's what we want to do today. We want to remind you from our own hearts and uh, just from the text, what's the good news of Christmas? we got one more hour left and we're going to stay in that theme asking what's the heart of Christmas? What can we hold on to this season? That's what we're going to do next year on The Coming Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Coming up this hour, how do we focus on the heart of Christmas? And then Brian and I are going to do one of our favorite things, a top five Christmas list. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host Brian Fromm, and it's Christmas Mm -hmm. Eve! As the night goes on, it is getting closer and closer. We hope some of you are getting ready to go to a Christmas service, or maybe you're wrapping those last-minute gifts. Some of you are probably out shopping right now. You, like, procrastinators are out there in the world getting your last-minute gifts. But whatever you're doing, we hope that you are encouraged excited and sensing God near you this Christmas season. Um, Brian, you and I have both gone to school for, you know, ministry or Mm -hmm. something in that vein. And I think, you know, we're both Wheaton grads. We value higher education. We know that not everyone has the opportunity or even cares to have higher education. Um, But I, I do think a lot of times in, in, Western evangelicalism in this area specifically, 
And partly um, what I'm about to say, I think it's because we are in a place where we have Moody Bible Institute near us. We've got Wheaton College near us. We've got Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. That's like we are surrounded by like the best of the best when it comes to schooling. Christian scholarship in the area is here. And I think sometimes we can be tempted to focus more on our mental understanding of good doctrine mm-hmm. or our um, all the books we're reading and all the information that we're cultivating. And we can forget that what ultimately matters most of all is union with Jesus, heart and a right relationship with Jesus Christ. What do you think about that statement, Ryan? I think it's accurate. I think um, <laughs> as people who have been educated, like you said, we can fall into the trap of all of this being head knowledge. Like, I know the story. I know Jesus story. I know the Christmas story. I know this, I know that and, and lose the, um, the awe. Like that's the word I've been trying to kind of dwell on over the last couple of years, like that awe and wonder of Christmas, right? The awe and wonder of knowing who Jesus is. Uh, you can lose that when you become more and more educated. And, you know, we see that in the Gospels. Who were the most educated people? It was the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And, mm-hmm. You know, they had a hard, hard time seeing, quote unquote, Jesus. And uh, I, I think that's that's accurate. And so that's still a, uh, a struggle today. And you and I are professional Christians. Uh, we are more <laughs> professional Christian than most people in the in our schooling, yeah. in our profession as pastors. We're also radio host on an evangelical Christian radio station. (laughs) You and I have Christian jobs and that's Mm -hmm. a wonderful blessing and Mm -hmm. also a hard curse. And I think Mm -hmm. we have to be really honest about that. Mm, That's yeah, that's so true, Brian. I I was over at ChristianScholars.com and a scholar by the name of Derek Sherman was talking about this very concept and really relating it to the heart of Christmas. And so that's why I wanted us to talk about it today, because here's what he talks about in the Christmas story. The three kings or the wise men, when they heard about this Messiah being born, they only had a rumor to go by. But that rumor itself was enough to move them to make that long journey. This is Derek Sherman saying this. But here's what he says. He says, the scribes were much better informed. They sat and they studied the scriptures like so many scholars do, Mm. but it did not make them move. And then he says this. It seems that a deep knowledge of scripture or memorizing every word and note of Messiah are not enough if, like the scribes, we are not moved intellectualism may be one of the occupational hazards of being a professor or a scholar whose stock and trade is in ideas. But as Christian scholars, we must not neglect the heart and a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. And I would just like to take that and say for any Christian, whether you're a scholar or not, we must not neglect the heart and a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, Brian, I, you know, I know this isn't all of our listeners out there, but for our listeners who maybe are more um, engaged in the mind with mm-hmm. their faith, and maybe they are more on that intellectual scale, or or maybe they're just they've forgotten the heart uh, of following Jesus and being moved to follow Jesus. Um, obviously both good things, but how would you charge somebody to put the heart of Christmas like back in its proper perspective? Man, that's hard, isn't Mm -hmm. it? And I'm just thinking of myself, right? As a preacher and someone who talks a lot, it becomes very head knowledge. And and I know that's true for a lot of my friends out there who have been Christians for a long time. Like, I get it. I get the Christmas story. No, no. At some level, we have to re- 
refine the wonder and the awe of all of it. And so, mm. uh, you know, Aubrey, the answer for some of us might be uh, stop reading about it. Like stop. Yeah, only that's reading, good. Yeah. But maybe go outside on a cold night and just stare up at the stars a little bit and try to dwell on the awe of God. Maybe mm. it's um, you know, reading the simple Christmas story again with your kids and but just reading the story instead of like trying to explain it and extrapolate and this, just read the story. You said this, I believe, yesterday. Maybe it's watching a Charlie Brown Christmas that's going yeah. to lay out yeah. the gospel in very childlike ways. All of these are options, but uh, this is not just a Christmas issue. This is just an issue across the board of how do I get back to the awe and the wonder and the meaning of it all instead of like, oh, here's the scholarly debate and all of right, that's fine. Right. But like, uh, you don't always just read the Bible to going, what, how can I preach this? Or what's this? You know, yeah. what's the Greek? But like, be in awe again that God came in the form of a baby mm. uh, and just be blown away by it. I don't know. What do you do to remind yourself or what could you do? You know, I appreciate your call to awe, Brian, because I, I feel like earlier this year, that was something that was really on your heart. You brought up quite a bit. And so I think it's interesting that full circle here we are at the end almost of 2021, still talking about the awe of God that matters. And, I, you know, I think for me, I go in seasons because I do love to study and I do love to read scholarship. Which is great. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not ashamed of that, but I, what you'd hate to do is replace knowledge or think that knowledge is your faith. And ultimately, your faith is that personal relationship with Jesus, that o obedience to mm -hmm. the way of Jesus and that union with Jesus. And so for me, I, you know, I think it's a matter of going back to the basics. Like I, in the morning, want to spend some time with my Lord. And again, I know I'm in a season of privilege where I have some quiet hours in the morning. I'm no longer a mom of teeny tiny babies who always need me. I think you know, moms and dads, if that's your season, there are other ways to connect with the Lord. Yeah. So hear me, like there's grace for that season. But in my season, like I do have the privilege of getting up and just reading scripture for devotion's sake, not for study's sake, journaling just to be with the Lord, spending some time listening to the Lord. Sometimes I even read Christian poetry just to like move my heart back to the things of God mm, and, and do some things that just aren't about oh, here's the next article I'm going to write, or here's the next, like you said, sermon I'm going to write, or here's the next thing I'm going to post. But like, what is just me and God back to the basics of like, I love Jesus and I want to spend time with him. I think getting back to that creates a sense of awe and a sense of wonder that is so important this time of year. Absolutely. I think songs, I think singing mm. and songs and Good. worship music, I think it that also gets us there. So there's lots of different ways to do it. I guess what we're trying to encourage people is don't just blow past Christmas this year yeah. and don't just let it be a head thing. Oh, I know that story or whatever else it mm. might be, but really engage in the Christmas story this season. Yep, I love that. Thanks, Brian, for that. Well, coming up next, we have our cutest, most handsome guest popping in on the show. Stick around if you want to know who that is. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. I love those J-I-N-G-L-E Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and our very special guest, our most handsome guest, our cutest guest. That is Kevin Sampson, my husband. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for being here with us today. 
Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. And uh, Brian, I know you like it when I introduce Kevin as my most handsome guest. I was going to say that uh, this, I want to make sure the disclaimer is known that this was not discussed before the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Brian's idea. Brian wrote that in our script. <laughs> this, was, this was not uh, something that we agreed upon, but go ahead with it. Sure. Okay, so uh, if you're familiar with the show, you know if Kevin Sampson is here, that means it's time for a trivia quiz show. And today's trivia show is all things Christmas. We're ready. All right, so we have wow. a rivalry here. Kevin is ahead by several... Game That's shows. not true. He's just won two tons, in a row. Tons. Oh, okay. Run two in a row. So if Brian wins this one, he he at least he doesn't take the lead, but he like moves up a little bit on the scoreboard. All I right. mean, it's Christmas. Christmas feels like the most. I might give one, him a so win for Christmas. It, it might be worth two here. I think. Okay. If all I, right. Only if double I or nothing, everybody. <laughs> double or nothing. All right. Here we go. Here we go. I tried to make this easy for you guys, so don't fail me, please. All right. Question number one. What popular Christmas beverage is also known as milk punch? Is it A, eggnog, B, rum chata, C, hot chocolate, or D, mold cider? Brian, what say you? I mean, that, that clearly is eggnog. That's got to be eggnog. Kevin, what say you? Uh, I'll say that same one more time. Are you guys Googling? You cannot Google. <laughs> nope, All right. Nope. Eggnog, rum chata, hot chocolate, or mold cider? I'll go rum chocolate. That is not any choice that I said. But rum chata. <laughs> rum chata. Rum chata. The answer is eggnog. Oh, right? you are. Here we go. Here All we right. Go. Here we I go. Gave him that right. one. I gave him that one. All right. <laughs> Speaking of eggnog, number two, what country did eggnog originally come from? Is it A, England? B, Spain, C, Canada, or D, Australia. Kevin? I'm going to go with the Brits. England. All right. Brian? That When I first heard it, I before you even said them, I said, that feels English to me. So I'm also going to go England. You are both correct. Nice. Well done, sir. Oh, man. All right. Here we go. Now it is two to one. Number three. How many ghosts show up in A Christmas Carol? Is it A, five? Is it B, three? Is it C, four? Or is it D, five? Brian? Didn't you say A, five and D, five? Yes, I did. Interesting. Uh, so I do know that yesterday or a couple days ago, you told me A Christmas Carol is Kevin Sampson's favorite story. So yes. I feel like uh, I'm at a disadvantage here. I'm going to go four. Okay. Kevin? I mean, there's three ghosts in Christmas, uh, Christmas Carol, correct? The answer is four. The answer is four. Wow. Wow, Kevin. You're forgetting you're forgetting the ghost who brings him around to see the other three ghosts. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. The implied ghost. Yes. If you will. If you will. All right. It's three to to two right now. Well played, Brian. All right, Brian. This feels like today might be your game. Okay, number four. The movie Miracle on 34th Street is based on a real life department store. What is that department store? Is it A, Marshall Fields, B, Macy's, C, Sears Roebuck, or D, JCPenney's? Kevin? B, Macy's. Brian? Yeah, it's Macy's. It's correct. Macy's. You are both correct. It is Macy's. Well done. Ooh, I'm right. on a run. I'm on a run here today. All right. Seriously, have you gotten one wrong yet? 
No, we he hasn't. Got, oh, no, I haven't. Oh, man. oh, man. Perfect game. I'm tossing the no-hitter. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number five. Elvis Presley isn't mm. going to have a white Christmas. He is going to have a Broken Hearts Christmas, Jailhouse Christmas, Blue Suede Christmas, or Blue Christmas. Kevin? Blue Christmas. Brian? It's got to be Blue Christmas. It is Blue Christmas. Yeah. Well done, sirs. All right. Here we go. Number six. In the classic Christmas movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Grinch was described with three words. What are they? Is it stink, stink, stunk? Is it seasick, smiling crocodile? Is it greasy toadstool sandwich? Or is it rotter, ratter, rooter? Brian? Uh, my daughter was just asking to watch this movie. I should have watched it with her. Uh I actually think the answer is all of them, but I'm going to go with A. Okay. Stink, stink, stunk. Kevin? Stink, stink, stunk. <gasps> you are both correct. Nice. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Okay, here we go. This is a little bit trickier. Let's see if you guys get this one. Question number seven. In which modern day country was St. Nicholas born? Is it A, Norway, B, Sweden, C, Germany, or D, Turkey? Kevin? D, Turkey. I saw this the other day. Or did I? Brian? B, Sweden. It is Turkey. Uh, you are yeah. tied. You are tied right now. No, wow. No, 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 we are not tied. I have one. I'm still one up. One, two, three, I think four, he, five. I think one, he two, is. Three, four, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, you, okay. I'm, okay. Mean, against, I'm, I'm competing against two people here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's see what happens. We have two more to go. Number eight. What is Ralphie's little brother's name in the movie A Christmas Story? Is it A, Randy, B, Rocky, C, Ricky, or D, Raleigh? Brian? Uh, I know this one. As you know from our top five list, I love this movie. Uh, it is Randy. Kevin? He's correct. That's my father's name. It's Randy. It is Randy. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. This is We're going to see if this one is a tie or if Brian wins the game. Here I'm we coming go. Coming back. Okay. Number nine. Hey, so double or nothing on this question. No, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> All right. In the movie Elf. Oh, done. What was the first <laughs> rule of the Code of Elves? Sing loud enough for all to hear. Treat every day like Christmas. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Or Santa Claus, I know him. Brian? Oh, I thought I knew this. I thought I knew this. Can I ask you to read them one more time? You may, but you may not cheat. You may not no, look on that's Google. Worry. That's, I heard, I've already won. Cheating. All right. No, in, the was, in the movie Elf. nothing. <laughs> in the movie Elf, what was the first rule of the Code of Elves? Sing loud enough for all to hear. Treat every day like Christmas. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Or Santa Claus, I know him. It's clearly either A or B. And I've seen this movie way too many times because I am going to go with treat every day like Christmas. All right. Kevin? I would have... I would have chosen put syrup on everything. I thought that was... <laughs> that was one oh, yeah, of the, yeah. That's true. That's the true. things about it. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to say treat every day like Christmas. 
Oh, you are both correct. But I believe we have a winner. Ryan Fromm, you are the winner it of the Christmas so good. trivia uh, game show. Merry well, Christmas. Well Merry done, Christmas, sir. Brian. Merry Christmas. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for the gift. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Kevin. This is fun. All right, everybody. Well, that's a Christmas trivia show for you. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm, and we are here to wish you a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. If you've missed any of today's show, we would love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast, wherever it is you cast your pods, as we like to say. And we would also love to invite you to find and follow us on social media at Common Good Talk. It is Friday. And it's Christmas Eve, so we get to blend our favorite things, a top five list, Mm -hmm. and Christmas. Brian, we're doing the top five sights and sounds of Christmas. Love it. And here's what we've decided. Because it's Christmas, we just want to give ourselves some grace and some fun and some just, uh, just joy in the list. So we are not numbering these one through five like we typically do. So these are not on a scale of like best to most best. Instead, we're just going to name five things, five sights and sound of Christmas that you and I enjoy because we thought that would be fun for all of us to revel in. Um, So Brian. I'm ready. Let's Before we dive in, let's listen to our top five list theme song. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. All right. I still love it. Even at Christmas, even after almost a year, it's my favorite song of all time. All right, Brian, what is your first top five sights and sounds of Christmas that you would like to share with us? And again, in no particular order, that's what we're doing this yes. time in no particular order. Yes. Uh, how about this one? I'm going to go with the smell of a Christmas tree. Oh, nice. You like that little pine smell or whatever. I, I do. Christmas now, I have, a, I have a huge admission to make here, and that is that we have moved to a fake tree. <gasps> so do you have like a pine candle or something? I don't. I don't. I, but I, So I would say I miss this. I love the smell of a Christmas tree for other reasons we've gone to a fake tree. Uh, <laughs> yes. but, I, but I love that smell. Love that smell. Okay. I love that smell too. I am deeply allergic to that smell. And so we, uh, I, we can't even light a candle in my house without me sneezing my head off if it funny. smells like a Christmas tree. I know it's not funny, but I do enjoy that smell as well. All right. For me, I'm going to, I'm combining a lot of these things. I'm just giving myself all of the room here. I love baking cookies with my kids while listening to Christmas music. Mm, okay. That's one of my favorite things to do. That's not bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that my next one was going to be smell of cookies. Okay, there so you go. Just the, the Christmas cookies you're decorating them, but it's got that smell in the house. Mm. Uh, but I, yeah, having Christmas music on in the background, fabulous, fabulous. So fun, so fun, right? All right, the next thing that I love is um, just driving around seeing all the Christmas lights. I love like having my Christmas pajamas on, the boys put theirs on, and we drive around and see all the different lights around town. I think that is so fun and magical. So... Uh, mine is kind of, it's probably good we didn't do a top five because we might have had too many, t- too many similarities. Oh, here. okay. Because okay. the next one I wrote was Christmas lights. Uh, we do the same thing you do. We go, not in our pajamas, but we'll go out, get some ice cream, drive around and look at Christmas lights. We Fun. already did that this year, but also I did this last night. Uh, or two nights ago, I just laid on our couch after the kids went to bed and like turned off all the lights in the house except the lights on the tree. And I just kind of laid there and looked at the oh, tree. 
Like there's just so just that. Christmas lights in general, right? Ryan, like just that's Christmas so lovely. lights. I lo- yes, Christmas lights. There's something so fun and beautiful and sweet about them. Yep, I love Christmas lights too. Okay, connected to lights. The next one is I let, you know, every night of the Christmas season, we light an advent candle as a family. I love that. And I love like the candle lighting that you'll probably do at your Christmas service tonight. That kind of communal, whether it's a real candle or a battery candle. I love that image. I love that act. I think it is just something so beautiful and, and in the ritual of it, I really find meaning. Aubrey, my next one is a lot of what you're talking about, what you just mentioned. I love the lights in silent night at the Christmas Eve service. I'm at Four Corners Community Church. We are going to be doing, uh, we do that every Christmas Eve. Uh, and so um, I just love it. You know, I just yes. love the end of the service where we light the candles and everyone lights the one behind them and it just kind of spreads. I always stand at the front and we sing silent night as it's going. I just absolutely love that moment. It goes back to our childhood and uh, yeah, just love it, Aubrey. So that's my next one. Uh, yeah, the candle I love lighting, the smell of the candles, the mm-hmm. lights throughout the sanctuary while singing Silent Night. Love, love, love that moment. Yeah, there's something so beautiful about that. And Brian, just as a side note for people looking for a church, maybe going into the new year, where can they find out more about your church? Yeah, we're at Four Corners Community Church here in Darien, just south of Downers Grove. Find us at FCCC.church. So thank you for that. Yep, no problem. Okay. So here's another one. I, because as you know, I have told you that Christmas is, Christmas shopping is my Super Bowl. I love buying gifts for the people that I love. And so one of my favorite things to do at Christmas time is I always carve out a day where no one's home and I watch all of my favorite cheesy, horribly terrible, but wonderful <laughs> Hallmark Christmas movies while wrapping gifts. And that, it, that day, is something I look forward to every year. It is a delight to my soul. And that is definitely one of my top five sights and sounds of Christmas. Okay. I'm going to take one uh, that is in the same vein as yours, but going the opposite direction is you and I talked about sounds of Christmas, the tearing of wrapping paper. Ooh, good one. So yours is the wrapping. It is the tearing. All of a yep. sudden your whole floor is full of wrapping paper. The dogs are going crazy in our house because they love the wrapping paper. Kids are throwing the wrapping paper at each other. I love the sound of tearing wrapping paper. Oh, that's that is a really good one. All right, I am up to my uh, my last one on our list, but certainly not the least one. This goes back to what you were talking about church services. I love singing Christmas carols at church with my yeah. entire church community. I love a good sing along. And, you know, I know we sing worship songs on Sunday mornings, but something about singing Christmas carols together yeah. with your community is just enjoyable and delightful and makes me feel like Christmas has actually arrived. Absolutely. So that was your last one. I have two more. So let me okay, give let's you hear two him. more. Let's hear him. Uh, the first is, uh, all right, let's go this one first. It's that first wake up on Christmas morning. I see my kids are getting a little old, but especially when they're little and they come running up the stairs and giddy and wake you. And then you have that moment where you realize it's Christmas morning, like that first noise of Christmas morning, kids feet giggling and away we go. I love that moment every year. Uh, Now I have to wake my kids up. We'll see how tomorrow goes. (laughs) Children up. Uh, And the next one, the hallelujah chorus. Everybody should Spotify or YouTube or whatever. 
the Hallelujah Chorus one time this this Christmas season. Just listen to it in its entirety. It will bring you uh, into the throne room of God this Christmas. I love it. Well, those are our top five sights and sounds of Christmas. We would love to know your favorite sights and sounds of Christmas. Feel free to go on social media at Common Good Talk. Let us know what your favorite Christmas smells and sights and sounds are. When we return, Brian and I are going to end the show by reflecting on Christmas and giving you a pastoral word. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. It is Christmas Eve. It is our last show of 2021. We have some incredible best of shows for you next week. And so Brian and I thought that it would be really meaningful to close out today's show, the Christmas Eve show, reflecting on a piece of scripture. And so Brian, if you'll just take it away and read from Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven, we'll go from there. Love to. For to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. That's beautiful. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Pick something. What jumps out there? What can we send people with? Yeah, you know, I, I, my last book, Known, How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. I focused a lot on the names that God has for us, but I have a huge section on God's names. Mm. And so I, this part stands out to me from verse six, the names of God, that he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And I think for all of us, like some of us need a wonderful counselor right now. We are yeah. in need of, of guidance. We are in need of advice. We are in need of leadership. And we can trust that because Jesus has been born to us, we have in Christ a wonderful counselor. Some mm. of us need the might of God. Like we need some strength to get through our own weakness or get through a situation in our life that just feels like we cannot overcome it. And so I think to trust that we have not just might, not just strength, but the very might of God, the the strength that overcame the grave, the strength that fought death, like the most powerful might there is we have at our side. And Mm. I, you know, again, some of us need an everlasting father. We need a parent this year. We need some comfort that only a perfect father who has always existed can bring. And then lastly, We need not just peace, but the Prince of Peace, the one who has authority to bring peace, who is peace and who gives us peace in our difficult season. And so I think focusing on God's names this Christmas season as as we end 2021 gives us hope we need to face whatever it is we're up against. That's really good. You know, 2020, we're heading out of 2021 here. Aubrey, for the rest of your life, you'll remember 2021 is the year you became a radio host. So, uh, oh. Brian, that is so true. Thank you for that marking that. Going into the new year. You know what stands out for me in this Isaiah passage, uh, uh, besides the stuff that you already pointed out, uh, one of the things we talk about a lot on this show is government, right? Mm. We talk about government. We talk about politics. We talk about election. And what is our um, uh, what is our posture as Christians supposed to be towards the government? What is our, uh, yeah, what is our posture supposed to be? And this passage talks about government and it talks about Jesus, the Prince of Peace, 
uh, the greatness of his government will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. And, mm. and it's a reminder again, we're about to go into a year, 2022, where there's going to be midterm elections. Yep. Like those are always just awful, right? Yes, like they are. We're going to yeah. see all those commercials again, and it's just going to be everything. It's going to be so politically charged. Isaiah chapter nine reminds us that, that Jesus is ultimately uh, our Lord. He is our savior. Mm. He is the one on the throne. It's his kingdom that yeah. we give our lives to. So we still vote. We still love America. We still do all of this mm-hmm. stuff, but that's not where our hope is found. Yeah. That's not where we are ultimately looking to for all of this. We can, the government is on his shoulders, Amen. right? It's not on the Republican shoulders. It's not yeah. on the Democrat shoulders. It's not on the next candidate shoulders. The mm. government is on his shoulders. Mm. And so when you get worked up this year about politics, about government, about the direction of our country, about whatever else, remember your kingdom. What's mm. what's the kingdom that you're living for? Remember that there is somebody on that throne already, and he's never not going to be on that yeah. throne. His peace will have no end. And so we can always hold on to that. I, that's what strikes me here, Aubrey, because we talk so much about government and and it's right there in that passage. You know what I love about that and thinking about the birth of Jesus as well. Like we know that Caesar Augustus at the time, you know, called this census, right? And, And part of his motivation for this census was several things, but part of it was certainly like to kind of a power move, right? To, to know how many people were in his little collection of people. And so here's what I love. I love that Caesar Augustus made this this pretty egotistical power move. But what God did with that ego was to cause this unfolding of events so that when Jesus was born, he was specifically born in Bethlehem, in the town of David, so that ancient prophecy was accomplished and so that the world would know that this was truly the Messiah. And so in my mind, that reminds me of what you just said, Brian, mm-hmm. that our government leaders, the, the rulers of this world, man, they, they think they're in power and they might make these moves that are egotistical and power hungry. But at the end of the day, it's like God's like, oh, you think you have power? Watch what I do. Mm-hmm. And I just love that we have a God who is sovereign over all of all of the government yes. who is sovereign over all of the um, acts of history. Mm-hmm. And even before our governmental leaders that we feel one way about or the other way about were at work, like God was always at work transforming right. lives That's and right. moving history. And and so I, I think you're right, Brian, like this is a good word for us to focus on at Christmas and to end 2021 on that it is his government that will never end. He is the one who will reign forever and ever. And so our devotion, our, um, our worship, our fealty belongs to him and him alone. Yeah. And he's the Prince of peace. I talked about it earlier. Uh, this is a time, uh, that many of us are looking for peace, right? Like, and we look into all the wrong places, Mm. uh, but no matter what is going on in your life, whether it's just completely still right now and life is good or whether it's the waves are crashing and they are huge uh, and you just don't know which way is up. He is still the Prince of peace. He still promises to be present and to bring peace. And so the book of Philippians, Paul tells us to, um, not be anxious, but to pray. And the promise as we pray is that the, uh, is that he will provide us with peace that passes all understanding. Mm. That's one of the promises of Christmas here. So why don't I read it again, Aubrey, and then you can close us out. You're okay. Gonna, love you're going to have the last word of 2021. Woohoo! All right. For to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. 
And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I think that's the right way to end. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It God's will will be accomplished, period. And Amen. so we can rest in that as we focus on Christmas as and, and as we end 2021. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope that encouraged you. We'll be back next week with Best of Shows, mm-hmm. and we'll see you in the new year with brand new episodes, brand new guests, all just for you. We hope you have a very Merry Christmas and an incredibly happy new year. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.